Hi, this is Brad Redderson, and welcome to Stranova, a bi-weekly audio business program exploring the intersection of cutting-edge business strategy and the innovations that can ignite business growth. As an entrepreneur with over 30 years experience leading high-tech organizations, I've constantly sought out new ideas that could take business to an entirely new level of performance. For Stranova, I've invited some of the most innovative business leaders out there and asked them to share their ideas with you. So sit back, listen, and consider what some of these new thoughts might mean to your business as we begin this week's episode of Stranova. On this episode of Stranova, we'll be talking about something many of our listeners know all too well, the challenges of getting past those first few years of a startup's existence. You know the drill. You have to secure your first round funding, build your team, get the initial strategic vision clarified, develop first revs of your products, get the marketing rolling, and convince those first customers to take their own leap of faith and agree to buy something very new from a company that didn't exist perhaps only a few months before. I can hear you all nodding out there, thinking through what you had to do in your world. Now, imagine that, first of all, this is all happening in an emerging economy where the resources and know-how to make this happen not only likely don't exist at all, but even the mindset of what it means to launch a new business isn't even part of the equation. To make it even more complicated, let's make it a country where capitalism itself is a very new concept for even the government to deal with, like mainland China. And if that weren't challenging enough, let's try to develop a model to help not just a handful of companies, but maybe say as many as 200,000 of them that are moving from government ownership to privatization to having to learn everything it takes to succeed as startups in a very short time. Would you take the challenge? Well, one person who not only would, but may just have the inspired blend of business experience, philosophical groundings, and understanding of human nature to be able to succeed in that challenge is our guest this episode, Dr. Raymond Ye. He himself co-founded and was CEO of three successful software companies during his career, has been a management consultant to many nations such as the UN, Brazil, China, Singapore, Sweden, and Taiwan, and has worked with executives of leading global companies such as IBM, GTE, AT&T, Siemens, NEC, Fujitsu, and Hitachi, among others. He's a fellow of the IEEE, author of over 120 scientific papers and 10 technical books, the 2005 business bestseller The Art of Business, and, among many other honors, is the recipient of the Pioneer in Information Technology Award from the Government of Taiwan. We are excited to have him as our guest. Our conversation took place with him by phone from his retreat in Ukiah, California. Let's listen in. Ray, thanks for joining us this week on Stranova. Well, it's a pleasure to be with you. I'm happy to be part of your program. For much of the past year, you've been consumed with the development of something you call enterprise clinics. For the benefit of our listeners, what is an enterprise clinic and why is it so important? Uh, just as many people seem reasonably well today, but may not have the physical condition for the uh, the uh, rigor for a long and active life. So uh, many companies that are profitable in the short term may not have what it takes to perform well, say year after year. 
such as, for example, similarly successful companies like Enron, WordCom, you know, and so forth. So the question is, who is taking care of those unhealthy companies, especially small, medium businesses? That's why the concept of such a clinic. Why is it important? You know, according to the uh, SBA statistics, 50% of the company die within first year and about 95% of them die within five years. So it is important people think of the health of a company, not just so focused on its financial performance. An enterprise clinic is sort of like a medical clinic that helps the enterprise to maintain their health. So startups, small business, and even units of large enterprise can have regular periodic visits to the enterprise uh, clinic for checkups, take seasonal medicines such as flu shots, and getting treatment for occasional illness. And unlike uh, a um, medical clinic, uh, enterprise clinic actually is to try, try to take care of uh, enterprise total health. That is including both physical, mental, emotional, and so forth. So how do we do that? The enterprise clinic will fulfill many roles for its patients. For example, like uh, having people who can perform the initial role of a board of directors that the small business cannot afford and help the company to guide it their, establish their uh, vision and moral values. Uh, so that it won't make fatal mistakes and have uh, technology tools to help a young company of its basic needs in managing its business and so forth. So that's sort of, uh, in a nutshell, what Enterprise Clinic is. You know, you mentioned a key word at the end of that, which had to do with values, and that leads to my next question. In addition to the obvious external needs that the clinics can provide, such as how to get startup capital and how to deal with government regulations, there are certainly many internal development issues that you also want to nurture within the fledgling organizations. What sort of capacity building are you attempting to do within these companies, and what processes do you use to bring this about? What I hope uh, to instill in the uh, uh, members of the enterprise clinic is to help them to, especially small business, to actually to de develop a framework and the framework is really do the right thing, do things right, and prepare for change. To do the right thing, an enterprise needs to develop a culture of trust and a strategy to encourage the management of a portfolio of initiatives in different timeframes that include short, medium, and long term with a roadmap. Most small businesses nowadays just focus on the now. And, uh, and they are very reactive in nature. So to do things right, on the other hand, the enterprise needs to know how they are doing, such as setting up the metrics for monitoring, not only its performance, but its health, and set up rules for governance. And finally, in order to adapt to the ever-changing marketplace, leadership must be established at all levels of the organization. So, to answer your question sort of uh, more specifically, the capacity building, including the development of culture, leadership, strategy, 
excellence and governance. So that covers what some of your overall goals are for some of the internal capacity building. I'm wondering what differences you see from company to company as you go through this, because certainly some companies are more ready and able to transform than others are when you, you come to them. Actually, one of the most important and common issues for all of them, even for large companies, is the change of the mindset. Why are only a few of the companies that move to a world-class company when 95% of them die? And that's because most companies, in fact, like most people, have established a lot of self-limiting assumptions. So the first thing, actually, the enterprise clinics do in, in the area of culture is to help them to break their own self-limiting identity or assumptions. Once such assumptions are broken, then the enterprise is freer to dream and select the right path with purpose. This sort of bringing meaning to its people. This whole concept of self-limiting assumptions is something that you've brought up on a number of occasions, I know, and it really is an important concept the whole idea is that before you act, you should really think about what are the assumptions that you are making that are limiting in nature about your own capabilities, those are the people you work with, and those are the business environment that you're trying to compete in. A lot of times people, apparently from your perspective in all cultures, actually are limiting themselves as they go forward and really assessing this is a key step to being able to be completely healthy in your concept of the enterprise clinic. So one of the surprises here, and perhaps it shouldn't be so much of a surprise, is that as the old saying goes, the enemy is within more than it might be from the outside. I remember one company I did, which is already in three continents, medium-sized company, and they just hired a CEO. So, you know, uh, we, I usually have several sessions on the self-limiting assumptions. So on the first session, uh, the CEO is a conference call from uh, Chicago, whereas the, uh, the co-founders were in uh, California. So we had a session. And the first two sessions went very well. I mean, the new CEO and the founder seems to be saying good things about each other. They seem to have the same similar vision, but when probe deep into the third session, we found out actually they have fundamental differences because when you when you look into their own limiting assumptions, and that shows that these two groups really have distinct way of thinking in approaching things. So in the end, I think the CEO probably didn't join the company, and both all three of them thanked me for, you know, getting them to see this new difference among them so vividly, which normally, I mean, we don't see, usually we don't see our own limiting assumptions, and so that's the kind of thing that uh, we try to help to start with the founders and then then the executive team, so that they all agreed to a to the same purpose for moving the company forward. 
Well, let's step back from the particulars of the process that you're going through for the moment, and I'd like to get into a little bit about you and how you became involved in this. Based on what I know about your background, this is a very different type of role than you've been involved in in the past. How did the idea come about, and in particular, your own vision of how you would be taking a major role in making this a reality? The idea really came up in the process that I was writing my book, you know, The Art of Business. What I had discovered is that great, uh, great companies are really sustained by a core belief system. And as such, you know, no matter how hard a challenge they face, such a core system formed the culture of this enterprise that helped them to renew itself and continue to change because such a belief system allow its people to be proactive because they are empowered to act. On the other hand, most of the enterprises are reactive in nature, lacking the energy and the initiative to move forward. And because they are mostly bottom line focused and they lip service only to sort of its future. So as I was reflecting, because my book's telling stories of great companies like Southwest Airlines, Medtronic, but these are companies all come from almost nothing, zero, to world class. And so they all have this common belief system. And mostly, not only that they need to be uh, making profit, which they stated explicitly, but more importantly, their whole purpose for having the company is not focused on just bottom line. What are the some of the common healthy habits they have? And, and in fact, what I've learned is every company can do that. They just have to get into the health, healthy habit, like, you know, uh, like this, you don't, you don't really, uh, you shouldn't eat a lot of hamburger, you shouldn't drink a lot, you should not, so once you have the healthy habit, you're healthy. You know, another thing that I think our listeners would be interested in exploring here is that you clearly bring a combination both of a mastery of Western disciplines as well as an Eastern philosophical approach to business, which, of course, you've written about most recently in your book that you just referred to, The Art of Business. How does that help inform how you're going about the birthing of the enterprise clinics themselves? You know, the book, The Art of Business, is really a sort of validation of my curiosity of some 20 years. And as whether the concept in the classic book, The Art of Business, are really being used by top business leaders in the Western world, even if they have never heard or read the book. My hypothesis was that wisdom transcends time and culture. So for about 20 years, I was since I was also running my company, so I took it on myself to do a, uh, a research about 35, you know, world-class companies as to see whether this hypothesis is true. And to my personal surprise, actually my findings actually validate my assumption that the five fundamental strategies by the author of The Art War and I call them the art of possibility, the art of timing, the art of leverage, the art of mastery, and the art of leadership are actually being carried out in these companies, even though 
They have never heard of the book. It's amazing because, most, for example, let's take air, uh, leverage. Most companies leverage anyway. But the true masters, they really put all the leverage forces together to create a tidal wave. This is the, exactly the way uh, Walmart, Southwest Airlines, Medtronic, and others are doing. Dell, for example, are doing exactly that, even though they have never read the book. By using these five strategies, uh, these companies are balanced for both the short-term performance and long-term health. I mean, they don't talk about health, but that's what actually they are doing. For example, most of those uh, companies really have a roadmap for future. And what the roadmap does is uh, really very incredible after I look at it, because it painted what the future looked like. It doesn't talk about probable future or possible future. It, it really goes after a preferred future. The roadmap sort of defines a company's competitive space. And the roadmap also provides near-term and long-term initiatives in accomplishing what the company wants. And therefore, they are, they are only not looking only at the near term, but they have all those initiatives simultaneously going on that looking for the mid and long term things. Please hold all those thoughts that I'm sure have been bubbling over for the moment. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. We're back with Ray Ye, the author of The Art of Business, and we're talking about the Enterprise Clinic Project. Ray, one of the many ways that I know you think of this is as a complete system interconnecting the government, the public, and the private sectors in the countries you are supporting. How do you balance the many needs and pulls from each of these sectors as you are bringing the Enterprise Clinic Program to reality? And are there some especially challenging priority conflicts you are having to balance? The first challenge really that the business themselves who are, you know, the small business or even large business that, so let's talk about them first, right? For small business, I've talked to so many people who are running that, I'm sure you have, right? That uh, they live a life of survival, right? So everything is focused on really the short term. So when I initially talked to them about having big dreams, having, you know, break their self-limiting assumption, they just think uh, this is crazy. But once they have done that, they are so, uh, you know, it's so liberating. And for example, I've talked to one, uh, a, a very well-known doctor, and we're just so tired 
because she was long off everything, although her business was very, very good. Actually, I only did one session for her because that's the only time she has, you know, a, she can give me a warning. But once that impacted her for six months, and after that, she has totally changed. And the, the key for the small business is that why you have to have a big dream in the sense, if you really want to make this business a sustainable one, you also have to understand that you need to execute with small steps. So that's one aspect of it. Now, for the government, for example, that is helping the small business, it really, they should look at this, uh, the enterprise clinic as an instrument for efficient way of implementing regional economic development. As the, uh, if the uh, SMEs are healthier, so the better the economy in that region and the SMEs in this enterprise clinic are uh, all sort of can form a community that's supporting each other. So if you look at different member stakeholders, they have uh, different uh, capacity building, so to speak, as in, in your own, own words. But the key is really the core is the members themselves. So just as you look at this as a complete system, I would guess that you have some capacity building as well as some expectation setting for the government part of your system in much the same way that you've obviously had that for the small business owners that you just talked about. What are you learning about what's required here for the government partners and how are you addressing these issues? I think for government, they have, uh, they need to uh, uh, primarily look at themselves as providing policy that encourage SMEs rather than say, like many of the government programs that provide direct cash. So I'm working in China for some one municipal government is providing what they call, uh, the policy is that they were providing some initiative, some awards for people to encourage the, uh, the SMEs to go through the enterprise clinic. And in hoping that through these awards that the best SMEs can be pulled into getting to be a world class and therefore bring the entire regional economy up. So they, they, they are designing specific policies to help the regional economy using the enterprise connect as a tool. You know, this sounds like a valuable service enterprise for business startups all over the world. And yet, from my discussions with you, you've said that you plan to do this only for what are normally labeled as third world countries. Why is that? I, I would say I'm focusing on emerging economy. And for the following reasons, that is in, in China, for example, uh, in Brazil too, that I noticed, is that the economy is booming. But the attention for small business is very little. Compared with, for example, we have in the U.S., we have uh, SBA here, and we have a lot of VCs looking for startup and things like that. In China, this is, for most of the small business, this is totally not there. So that's one aspect. They need more help. Secondly, because of the economic water is rising, 
so there are a lot more opportunities. At the same time, for example, now the China joined World Trade Organization. The competition is coming from all over the world. And so they are really sandwiched right in the middle. For example, once, once the, recently if Europe and U.S. put a quota on their export in terms of textile, you know, just hundreds of uh, small companies just close up. All right. So it's that kind of thing. So they, I think they have, uh, because the, the opportunity do exist, and because of the greater need for survivability, they are much more amenable to change their mindset uh, in order to compete uh, and survive. But the third one is my own limitation. There's so much one can do, one can take small steps, and I believe that it's easier to influence more small business by going in the emerging economies of the world. And they are just punched to do there. <laughs> well, and I also believe, for some of the same reasons as you've already stated, that the potential for impact on the world stage is much greater by starting where you are starting than if you, say, tried to do the same effort inside the United States. That, that's what I believe, yeah. So what is the state of the enterprise clinics themselves? Is there a timetable, and when might we look for them to emerge? I'm still in the uh, prototyping phase. I've done about, you know, 20, 30 enterprises. But actually, what I've done now is I'm exploring it. I'm in the process of thinking of actually extend this concept and actually create a new industry in China, namely a healthcare industry for enterprises. So it is not only the clinic itself, but the formation of a, say, a global mentor network, a global capital network, a global incubator. So for example, you know, take the incubator, that the people in the incubator automatically become a member, a long-term member of the enterprise clinic. But how it's different is in addition to the enterprise clinic getting the healthy habits and making sure it's healthy, it is incubated simultaneously in different parts of the world. Uh, they can be incubating virtually or they can be physically, but it's linking together all of them. And also underneath, we're providing a IP exchange net to make sure their product or their IP have a marketplace immediately as time goes on. So all of this, I'm trying to link them so that making sure that enterprise is healthy in a sense, most enterprises will come. So suddenly, there's out of cash, then they die. But this global capital network will have the chance to help them at the different stages. And the other thing is that we are drastically reduce the, uh, the risk of the venture capitalists in the following sense, that all members of the enterprise clinic will be given health certificate. The VC comes in, he says, well, this guy is, is very healthy, except he has some heart problems. 
So we'll make sure that before we invest in or during the time we're investors, we make sure that problem is covered. And is there a way for our listeners to get in touch with you if they'd like to learn a bit more about what you're doing? Absolutely. You can email me at rayyeh at earthlink.net. I'm, uh, I'm constantly communicating with a lot of small business owners you know, all over the place. And uh, time for that, I'm uh, happy to answer questions. And also they can look at my website, uh, theartofbusinessbook.com. And as one last question in our discussion today, I'm curious about your own aim in making all this happen. I know you to be a very spiritual and centered man who is also very gifted in the knowledge of business. Can you conceptualize for our listeners a bit about what the aim is that's behind all of this for you and guiding you forward? To put in a uh, in one liner, I would say compassion and trust is good business. And uh, so for myself, it's really, I think, the one of the quickest way to raise the conscious level in the world uh, is to help small businesses to come to aware that in fact, if they they want to have good business, they need to have compassion and trust. Well, that is an excellent way to end this week's episode of Stranova. I hope our listeners will contact you and learn more about this. And best of luck to you and your enterprise as you go forward, Ray. Thanks for joining us this week on Stranova. Well, thank you very much, Brad, for inviting me. It's an honor. For those of us out here in the so-called developed economies who have either succeeded in or maybe unfortunately stalled out when launching our own businesses, the concept of having an enterprise clinic around to help monitor and manage all the vital signs of the business and to provide necessary inoculations, care and feeding, perhaps with patent filings, a strong board of directors, and infusions of cash at just the right times, respectively, it does sound like a pretty good idea. But that's for just one business in a country used to startups, and here we have Ray Ye proposing not only to do this in emerging economies, but on a scale unimaginable for most of us. Remember that 200,000 number I mentioned at the beginning of this episode? In mainland China alone, Dr. Ye's concept may be reaching over that many recently privatized startups and leading them on the way to a strong long-term future with growth, profits, and purpose with spirit. He's reaching out with this dramatic concept to emerging economies across the world, and I, for one, am willing to bet that he's going to make a big difference. For those of you struggling on the one startup you're launching, I encourage you to borrow a cup of inspiration from Reyes' big dream, maybe even giving him a call, or us at Stranova for that matter, and seeing if you might be able to help out in some way. And stay tuned. I think that Reyes' vision just may tilt the world in a very positive direction, in a wonderful mix of spirit in the art of business in the very near future. That's my reflection for this week, and thanks for listening. For further information on the topics discussed in this episode of Stranova, please visit us at our website, www.stranova.com, and remember to check out the current program and resources pages. Also, if you have any comments on this week's show or suggestions for future shows, contact us by email at ideas at stranova.com. 
In addition, you can also call our Sternova comment line at 408-849-4394. We plan to sample some of these messages for a future podcast segment of Sternova in the future. This recording is copyright 2005 by Brad Redderson. And this is Brad Redderson thanking all of you for joining us this week on Sternova. Thank you.